0: welcome to the fifth episode of how public works a podcast about local government and how you as a citizen can learn about what happens in the public space and how you can participate to influence and enhance your community i'm your host ilmar simonovskis and in this episode we are going to hear from his worship mr al mcdonald the mayor of north bay ontario al has had a full and rewarding career in business community building and politics he is in his third term as mayor of North Bay. In our conversation we will explore the role of mayor, civic engagement, success stories for North Bay, and what the future holds for local government and our communities during these times of transition. So welcome Mayor McDonald.
1: Well thank you for this opportunity to have this conversation.
0: And thank you. So I'd like to open up with a question for you around where you were born, I understand being Marville, France, and you traveled around the world extensively as a family due to your father's career in the Canadian Armed Forces. What was that like for you, and how did it appear, or how did it prepare you for your role in life?
1: That's correct. Uh, I was born in Marville, France. It's called One Wing, by the way. In in North Bay, uh, the base here is called 22 Wing. Um, so I was born there. To be honest, I was, uh, we lived in Belgium but I was very young and uh, my parents obviously got transferred uh, to Canada shortly after my birth so I, I probably would have been one year, one year old when uh, we moved. Uh, we moved every two years uh, growing up so I've lived from uh, Comox, BC to Goose Bay, Labrador Wow. And we ended up in North Bay when I was 16 years old. So you can imagine my life was uh, making friends. Well, not so much when you're two years old, but as you as you grew, uh, I, I would have to make new friends every two years, say goodbye to them, and start the whole process all over. Wow. And as you got older, you can imagine it, it made it harder to say goodbye to your friends. Uh, and obviously, it's not as quite as easy as you get older Uh, to make new friends just because of different clicks or whatever but what it what it's really taught me was um, the the ability to be open and to be able to speak with people and to meet with them and uh... you know uh, form friendships so when I hear, you know, th- I've been in North Bay now for 40 years, so it's been quite a long time. When I mm-hmm. hear my friends say that they went to the same elementary school, the same uh, high school, the same schools, the same this, same that, it's very foreign to me. I, mm-hmm. I, um, uh, I went to school in five different provinces. So you went, when I went from grade six in Ontario to Quebec, we moved to Bagotville, which was a, a base. Mm-hmm. My dad was a fighter pilot. Um, wow. So I went from an English-speaking, well, Ottawa's both languages, but more predominantly English, to, to uh, Bagotville, Kemak, which is really our Vida, Shikudimi. It was all French. It was no English and the school system in Quebec was a year ahead of Ontario. So I was going from grade six in Ontario really to grade eight in Ontario, Mm -hmm. which was grade seven in in Quebec. So you can imagine how difficult it is to skip a grade at that level. Then we moved from Bagotville to Goose Bay Labrador and it was the reverse. So I was going into, uh, you know, grade nine, uh, which was really only grade eight. And so I went from it being very challenging uh, school year to a very boring one where I actually skipped a grade because I was that far ahead and then moved back to Ontario, which is kind of the reverse again, where Ontario was a little ahead of uh, Newfoundland. Um, But what it enabled me to do is adapt really quickly and, and not only on the school system, but trying to make friends and the culture in... Uh, Comox BC versus Ottawa versus Shkudami uh, Quebec versus Goose Bay Labrador. You can imagine, the country, um, just the mindsets, the culture, the language is very diverse. And uh, but that and uh, and the final part of your it, it 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 trained me to be able to perform at a business level and probably even more at a, a political level.
0: Well, it's incredible because that kind of experience would expose you to so much. And I guess your, your ability, like you say, your ability to be adaptive and, and resilient, too. And uh, so that's, that's excellent. Thank you for sharing that story. So as mayor, can you share what being mayor means to you and how you fulfill this role of office? You know, what would a citizen see about local government when they meet you?
1: So being mayor is an honor. Uh, serving the public, I think, is the highest calling that you can do to give back to your communities, your province, or your country. Uh, We recognize that, you know, the average citizen or citizens in general might not have the greatest opinion of politicians, and some of it's probably deserved, some of it probably isn't.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: My feeling, though, it is the greatest way to give back. So in business, I work, you know, 12, 14-hour days, maybe six days a week, uh, the difference uh, in politics is I still work the 12 14 hours a day but it's seven days a week the pay obviously isn't anywhere close to what it was in the private sector but you're not doing it for the money you're doing it you're doing it for your community um, the, the same challenges uh, across any profession so you know you have good experiences and bad experiences you get criticism uh, and you get praise in uh, and, and at the political level it's I I always say that you get more praise than you deserve, and you get criticized way more than you deserve. Um, But to to go back to uh, my feeling, it's the greatest honor in the world, and I think the best way to serve uh, your constituents is public office.
0: And it's interesting, too, because you become... The contact person literally for the entire population of the city I mean everyone wants to communicate whether it is praise or whether it is you know comments or suggestions for improvement to you and that can be very demanding do you have any any stories or any any uh, sort of um, requests that you've had over the years that are particularly uh, interesting or, or something that would be uh, valuable to share
1: um. I think the the story I always like to tell just on a political level. There's so many you can tell and happy to go over a few. So um, uh, I was elected deputy mayor back in 2000 in in North Bay. In in, in North Bay, it's a, it's not a ward system, it's at large. So okay. deputy mayor means that you got the most votes uh, on the council level. The mayor's race is totally separate. So my first run, I, I topped the poll, so I became the deputy mayor. Within two years, uh, our local MPP had uh, step down, which just happened to be the premier of the province, Mike Harris. Mm -hmm. And I ran in a by-election and I was, I was fortunate to win. So, uh, the one place that I'd never been to in my life was Toronto. I'd never been to Queens park. Uh, I knew who the premier was. I knew who the finance minister was, but I didn't follow it that close. So I, I I wouldn't be able to tell you who all the members of the government were at the time. Uh, I didn't know the opposition at all. I didn't even know what street Queens Park was at. I'd never seen the building. Uh, I I did know that there was a legislature and that's where you go in to, to, you know, make decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, So I arrived and uh, uh, there was no one there to greet me because it was in a by-election. So everybody's kind of on their own. So I'm sitting in this big office in Queen's Park that somebody gave me. I don't even know who it was. There was uh, there was no telephone, so it's up to you to get your own telephone and hire your own staff. And of course, I'd never been to Toronto before. I don't even know who to call to get staff. I don't even know who the members are. Uh, anyways, I, I got through it and um, uh, one of the first meetings that I had was with the whip. And the whip happened to be John Baird, who went yeah. on to federal politics too. And um, anyways, I got called into his office. I didn't even know what a whip was. And the whip says to me, we're going to make you the chair of uh, general government and vice chair of public affairs. And my typical response was, if you can give me the information, I'll get back to you. And I actually Mm -hmm. said that to Mr. Baird. And Mr. Baird looked at me with a real strange look and said, Uh, I'm the whip. You are the chair of general government committee (laughs) and you are the vice chair of public affairs. Uh, You need to find out your schedule because you need to be at those committee meetings. Thank you very much. So I went back to my office going, I don't even know where to go. Uh, So to to wrap up the story, just in the interest of time, I, I remember... Somebody saying, what is your uh, house schedule? I didn't even know what that meant, which (laughs) meant just when do you have to be in the legislature? Because I just assumed you had to be in the legislature all the time. That's not the case. So I'm sitting in the legislature, and it's not during question period. um, It's shortly after, so it's still quite full. And I'm listening to everybody debate, and I'm thinking oh, my God, I'm way out of my league. don't know what they're talking about, don't know those issues. Um, these people are really smart. Maybe I, I bit more than I could chew. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, Like I, I I felt like I fooled everybody. And I'm sitting there listening and going, I don't know. And I called my wife and I said, "I maybe I've done something I, maybe I shouldn't have. In any event, long story short, after six months, I'm sitting there looking around, going, "How did they get here? They don't know their stuff." So, to anybody that's interested in, uh, you know, business or furthering their careers or politics, uh, just jump right in and learn as fast as you can. It's impossible to know everything till you get there.
0: I really like that story, Al, because it it, it really. You know that will resonate with you know those that are entering into the workforce right i mean all of our our students in universities right now who really have had their university careers disrupted with this last you know eight months of covid and you know seeing some of the anxiety in that in that shock and now having to step in so it's inspiring to hear you know hear that you know we've all gone through that right you literally jumped into the pond and figured it out so and how was that career for you how, how did you, in the end did you Feel accomplished and 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 you know I, all those things come together for you.
1: Well, my mom asked the question. So you're a big fish in a small sea, and you want to be a minnow in a big sea. Um, the 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 one thing that I did learn was um, how government really worked at different levels,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and I really believe that prepared me for my role as mayor. And I and I was out of politics for about seven years. I, I'm thinking. I don't know if this is really for me, uh, but they they asked me to, to run for mayor, so I did. And I, I was very fortunate; I got reelected. Um, but I, I I will say that it's it's a learning experience every day. Just when I think that I've heard everything, uh, the phone rings and I hear something that I couldn't even have contemplated.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that's what makes you know makes the. Sort of that educational experience, or that just that experience alone makes it so valuable because it makes you so capable in being able to respond and i want to ask you around that too with the with the learning experience of working at the provincial level and then back at the municipal level i mean as we know municipalities are essentially creatures of the province and they're put in place to help close that bridge between provincial uh, mandates and, and policies and what happens at the local level and you've mentioned that you've worked on various boards and agencies which are also again systems to help create connectivity and deliver services so in that role as mayor and the relationships and people that you've you know come to know through your parliamentary experiences uh, you you know you mentioned the benefits of that are there specific things that you would suggest say for other uh, politicians counselors newly elected uh, officials and if with an election coming in two years like what would you provide some advice to some of our political body in the province
1: it's a really good question. I, I in, in politics it's like a vortex and uh, y- you know you, 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 you actually live in a bubble and there's a perception of what you're really like or what you're not really like and the advice that uh, a very astute uh, person that was around politics for, I, he's like 85 so I'd, I'd like to say it's probably been 80 years he's been involved uh, in politics he said uh, he said to me my best advice to you is just be yourself uh, because that's what everybody sees the minute you try to pretend to be something else the cameras don't lie I, my my philosophy was i'm here to serve my citizens and my city or my province at the time you you can agree or disagree with the decisions that's fine that's all what it's all about but the the one thing that the politicians or elected officials have if if they're if they're in the, might, the, might, the, the right mindset and truly want to give back, they're making the best decision on all the information they've been presented uh, moving forward. And the challenge that I hear sometimes from citizens is they, they they have an opinion, but they haven't taken the time to be fully educated on the subject. And then if, and if you mm. can explain the whole subject to them, they, they say, oh, I didn't know about all of that stuff. Uh, so I think is sometimes when you're mm. explaining to your constituents or the public is kind of how you came to that decision. Uh, and then people can say, well, I still disagree yes. with it or I agree with it or I understand. But in, in, in our world, just like engineers, I couldn't tell you how to build a bridge. It would be easy for me to say, you did it wrong, or you should have done it this way. Why did it cost so much? And you'd explain, well, here's the physics, here's the science, here's the, the criteria we have to use. I'm going, oh, okay, I get it. That's why you built it that way. It's the same way with politics. There's so many regulations and duties and, and uh, uh, motions that you have to go through that by the time you make your decision, if you're an informed uh, elected official, you've you've seen all the pros and cons, and it's never perfect one way or another, but you've made the best possible decision at that very moment with the information that you had on hand. So asking about advice to anybody that's interested, uh, have, have the right mindset be be truthful to yourself that you're there for the right reasons and if you don't have a fire in your belly uh, it's not for you
0: and it's good to to hear what you're describing as that that educating or that informing you know the citizens that have that have comments or concerns about what whatever is going on in the community and actually, I found that very common, uh, a common driver for myself on the administrative side for years where, you know, we would go to these public information centers for various infrastructure projects. And I always viewed them not so much as public information centers, but public education sessions. And it was really about, you know, what are your questions? Tell me what you need to know to help you, you know, have a bigger picture. So very, very good advice.
1: Maybe an experience. Um Uh, So when I was first elected mayor, um, we had these uh, uh, monthly call-in shows, it was a local TV station, and the first one I went to, Mm. I probably received 20 questions. I probably could only answer one factually, and the other 19 I could not, the questions I could not answer. Um, And that's, and, and I've been in politics, I knew the city, but that's how technical sometimes the questions can be. If I was to do, yeah. and, and I still do from time to time, those monthly call-in shows, I don't need briefing notes. I know the subject's cold. There might be the odd one I can't answer, but I've taken the time to learn my trade or my my skill sets that I need to be the mayor and the subjects and, and done the research and the reading. I can do those shows now uh and and if if somebody gives me a question i don't know i'm the first one to say listen i don't have that answer but it surprises me that i i don't know that answer so you do take the time to learn and be educated when you make that decision
0: well and and it's it's interesting too and and you're describing exactly what what emerges as part of that craft right you we we garner so much knowledge and information over our over our time in our roles and, you know, it's good to hear you recognizing that, yeah, that's actually an asset to yourself and the community because it creates a lot more transparency and communication, but also just, you know, it's an indication of how much effort and attention and awareness goes into the roles that we want to fulfill, right? So when you described your earlier experience in in Parliament and at the provincial level, right, you're literally, I mean, I'm sure you could go back into that role now and feel very different about it
1: absolutely I I would be very confident to go back in and go hey I might not know every little subject but that's just a little time reading and research but you know the process and you're confident in your abilities
0: so let me ask you then as head of council what role do you play in that arena, and how does that impact what happens in the city? And I don't know, you know, every council, every election, you always have some turnover. So you have some councillors that may have had multiple terms, you know, you have new counselors, And, you know, that always creates different dynamics, and the dynamics change over the term as well. So how do you see your role in that forum?
1: Well, under the Municipal Act, uh, the mayor is head of council, so his or her job is to carry out the wishes of councils. Whatever the decision of council is, even if you disagree with it, it's your job to make sure it gets done. Uh, Overall, I think the mayor tends to, uh, and more likely does, uh, set the tone for council it does not mean that council will follow you it doesn't mean that council will agree with you all the time but you set this the tone and direction and you try to work with your members of council that can come from a very diverse group you could have people that are really concerned about the environment some are concerned about labor some are concerned about business some are concerned about just overall things so you you, you have to bring in our case it's 11 individuals Uh, everybody together, allow them to debate, and at the end of the day trust that they're going to make the right decision. And the one thing that I have learned in in my almost 20 years of being involved in politics is usually that body that's made that decision, if you agreed with it or not, majority tends to be it was the right decision at that time, uh, and, and, and time always proves that out. You might not agree with it at the time, but it, it it tends to to be that way, and you ha- always have to remember that they're making decisions based on the information they have at that moment. So you can imagine we're dealing with COVID right now. When you pass a budget, to, you know, back in December, you have no you have no idea about COVID shutting down the globe. Uh, you can always okay. make changes. But you, you always have to remember that when, when government makes a decision, they're making a decision based on the information, the, the best information that they have at that period of time.
0: Yes, yes. Well, and it's interesting too because you know if I think with some of my experiences, um, it's often decisions are made at you know the fifty-one percent, forty-nine percent threshold. It's, it's, it's very rare that you have a community folk uh, supporting a direction wholeheartedly. Uh, and I can appreciate at the council table, you know, you can often have unanimous votes for uh, particular priorities, um, but then the community will reflect you know in their own way what that means to them and how do you find that is it does it go back to the same sort of educating and informing and and being communicative and transparent with regards to decisions made at council
1: i agree so in you know under miss black we have to be all our meetings are public Uh, you can only go in camera for very select items it could be HR it could be identifiable individuals a lawsuit or you know a, a land deal and then eventually they always come out anyways so you're always you're always transparent uh, and transparent means so many different things to so many different people so you could say hey listen all our meetings are made in public blah 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 and somebody goes, you're still not transparent and then you try to say well how do you want to be more transparent like everything's done in a public form um, so everybody has a different perspective on transparency um, so it, it is difficult that way um, but y- you you do your best and you try to explain how you came to that decision um, but I didn't fully a- answer your question so maybe if you can just recap it
0: yeah well I, I think I think in a sense you have in the perspective of that transparency and I think really maybe just speaking to um, let's let's uh, let's a topic that might be say fairly sensitive in the community where council may have a unanimous uh, approval for say a new a new facility of some type a fairly significant investment because those generally garner a lot of attention and you know at the next council meeting all of a sudden you have a contingent of the community showing up saying well wait a second why are you spending our tax dollars this way even though you know a, a whole process has been followed so you know like your approach to then bringing or or informing or or trying to engage those citizens that might feel that the decision wasn't appropriate and 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 you know how do you basically bring them not necessarily bring them around but but just engage them in the process they may not be happy in the end but they understand what's happened
1: so the so my experience about uh, I always joke with my CEO if if the council chambers are packed uh, we we uh, stirred the hornet's nest right yes, and a yes. lot of times it's a staff report it's not council right it's the staff bringing something forward and yeah. then council is seen as the face of the community so they end up wearing it so what i've always found that generates the most interest uh, that packs the chambers is the issues that you really wouldn't believe would so it could be that you know uh, somebody wants to build five houses in in a neighborhood and that neighborhood is all up in arms because they deem that as their park even though yeah. it wasn't city-owned property, it was just a it was a private citizen, and they have the ability to do what they need to do with the, their property, given all the the regulations. Yeah. That tends to gather the most opposition. the 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 two areas that we that uh, that I know um, that create a lot of interest. One, we the province announced back in 2012 that you know the city of North Bay was going to get a casino for an example we never mm. asked for a casino the province just said there's going to be a casino in North Bay the council has to vote yes or no wow so you can imagine there's strong feelings on both sides of that issue but councils yeah. now forced to make a decision and in in our case our community is about 52,000 but there's about 85,000 in the area so mm-hmm. if if North Bay said no it just goes you know, a hundred yards further to another community that's really just North Bay, and all that money goes to them. So it put council in a very difficult decision. Uh, that gathered a lot of um, uh, support and not support. But the biggest one, to be honest, the biggest challenge, the two biggest ones. You're not one. You can kind of go, okay, I get it. The other one, you're going to go, what? So the, 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 the other two times our council chambers were packed beyond capacity. You know, if the fire department was watching, they probably would have closed us down because <laughs> there were so many people in the audience. One was, uh, we have 42, we, we live, by the way, if you don't know North Bay, we're about three hours and 15 minutes from 401 and 400. So we're, we're closer than you think. Um we have massive lakes here, and in, in one of the lakes, we have 42 lake accesses. So the public can go, we have 72 beaches, but these wow. are lake accesses. And, of course, there's interest. People want to buy and build houses on it. So council said, do we really need 42 lake accesses within a mile? A- mm-hmm. And we, we have to insure them. There's liability. So one of my councillors decided that you know, we should maybe sell off like five of them. Well, right. the public reacted very badly to that. So the one thing I learned was if anybody asks about the, the, the public access to buy, I go, yeah, well, good luck with that one. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going through that process again. Uh, but you understand that they wanted to protect what they thought was a very valuable asset and resource for the community. I fully understood that, and, and I've, I support them on that. Yeah. The other one that kind of... Blindsided us that I would never think this, and I think in Toronto they would cheer uh, this, and and uh, the citizens would actually want this. In North Bay, it was absolutely not. So our the staff decided to move a bu- bus route from one street to another street. You imagine so in Toronto, you know your property yeah. values go up if if transit is really close, right? You walk yes, out your front yeah. door, jump on a bus or a subway. That's where the property values are. Well, we yes. had two hundred and fifty people that lived on that street that took the position that bus can't come down our road. Thinking you know everything and you, you know where all the potholes are to this one coming out of the blue. And we actually had them threatening to blockade roads and,
0: wow. and
1: uh, you know take political action and legal action over a bus route. So to get into politics, it's not the things that you know that sometimes you know jump out and bite you. It's the ones that you wouldn't even believe would have any issue at all are the ones that come up and surprise you
0: that's and well that's incredible right because you're you're absolutely right and sometimes you're always thinking okay where's the risk going to be this month or this year and and yeah it, it turns out to be something totally different uh a question i have for you and it's around it's around sort of the internal um operation of the city with regards to the relationship between council and the relationship between the administration. Uh typically, you know, council is there as the advisor, the policy makers of the of the city and the you know the administration through the CAO is there to basically deliver and execute the direction of council, and you mentioned the CAO's uh, in- engagement with the staff reports. Um, and how do you how do you see that relationship? And and any suggestions or any any words of wisdom around that for for our listeners and and those on either side of the table?
1: Uh, critical, actually the. Um it's a number of fronts so council does absolutely have to set the uh, vision and direction and task staff to move forward with it um, a lot of times when you try to move projects ahead uh, from a from a council or a mayor's perspective one you have to get your council and mayor on board or as many as possible number yes. two you have to get the administration on board because if not you know they throw the they can throw the anchors out and it just gets delayed and you know it just it yes. takes up a lot of time and effort and three you have to you have to explain to your community why it's really important to do this and you're gonna have people on both sides of that issue as well no matter what it is because yeah. there's a new accurate or a new acronym in, in municipal politics called cave everybody's heard of NIMBY cave is citizens against virtually everything because there's uh-huh. always going to be some people that are against it uh-huh. in any event the the administrations always at a, in a difficult position because if there isn't a clear consensus of council on the vision and direction how do, how do they carry out their instructions when half council wants one thing and the other council wants the opposite so in our case we want growth right we recognize mm-hmm. that we need growth in our community to be sustainable well into the future Well, staff, are they they hear it's almost unanimous at council, so it makes it easy for them to bring recommendations saying, listen, council, if you really want to bring population to North Bay, you really want to keep your tax levy down, if you want to create an opportunity for your young people to stay, here's a whole bunch of options for you. But if you've got half the council saying, let's grow, and the other half saying, no, let's do austerity and just cut everything. um, Yes the staff are in a very difficult position and then the public is just going, What's going on? Nothing's happening. Yes, and and that yes. so my advice would be to the councils, wherever they might be in the province or in the country, is find a unified voice that everybody can kinda agree on, at least move that area forward and right. then debate and disagree or whatever on the other subjects, but at least your staff can carry out the will of council in general. Uh, The minute there is no clear consensus on what you should do, administration then just, they can see there's a divide on council or that they're they're not that engaged or they don't know what they're doing, then their perspective gets shown in all the reports too. Right. Right. So that's the direction that uh, the council ends up going because the administration by default become the leaders. So I just encourage anybody that's that's on a council or thinking of running, find out what your mandate is, stick to your mandate and and try to get your council or the majority of council to agree on a direction of the city and let, let your staff do their job.
0: Very good. Yes, I appreciate that perspective because you're right. At the end of the day, the head of council or the the council as a whole is they're that vision, right? They're that guide, and and that yeah, clarity definitely makes a big difference. And around that clarity, you know, I've seen and and really, you you came to my attention. Uh, through through your your economic development initiatives and 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 just promoting North Bay and and really Ed I really appreciate the effort that you're putting into to to putting messages out there about North Bay so so around that so what are the priorities of this term of council around whether it's economic development or just promoting the community and and what do you see as as the the future of, of North Bay and what you're trying to do in that in that sense
1: um, I'll start with, um, and, y- y- and you're seeing it more through LinkedIn than you would with my other social media platforms. So I picked LinkedIn on the business side specifically. Okay. I still promote the city just differently on other platforms, but on LinkedIn, okay. um, where we connected, yeah. um, is really just to the business crowd that uh, would understand the business message. So mm-hmm. for an example, our city's about 52,000. We're about Two years older demographically than the province, okay. um, you know. We've always challenged with youth out migration. Even when I was a high school student, that was always the the issue. Um, the the um, The direction, or what we're seeing across the country, is our mortality rates two point one, and our birth rates one point six. So cities, uh, unless there's immigration or or and or people move into your city. Naturally, cities will decline. They they will shrink in uh, population, and if you look across northern Ontario or northern uh, Canada, there is shrinking population. Now, with COVID, you're starting to see people reevaluate their decision to live in a dense uh, urban setting uh, because they wouldn't feel safe, so we're starting to see that migration. Mm. but we need to focus on growth and we need to focus on immigration we need to focus on uh, talking to our expats about moving back because now remote work or working from home is is definitely an option even Shopify has identified that as uh, what they're going to do into the future so yeah. there, there is confusion uh, as to the location of North Bay uh, everybody confuses us with Thunder Bay yes. and Thunder Bay uh, for our listeners from Toronto, is twelve hours north of us. It is. It is like driving to Manitoba. It's. It's. We. We. we can drive to Toronto in three hours, uh, on a four lane highway. Uh, you know, to to go to Thunder Bay, that's twelve to fourteen hour drive. So they confuse us from being up there. So when I check into a hotel in Toronto, they go, you drove here? and go, it's like three <laughs> hours. It takes you three hours just to get to work every morning almost. I mean, I'm yeah. exaggerating a little bit, but, um, so what we, what I'm trying to do is, is convey to the urbanites, the, the gridlockers, or the people that are stuck in traffic or stuck in tiny, tiny condos. And you know, it's concrete jungle that your million dollar condo that is a thousand square feet if you're lucky you can live on you know a a hundred foot lot by two hundred foot lot in three times the house for you know half the value you can live right on the lake Uh, here the the air is crystal clean there are lakes you can just drink the water right out of seems on 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 healthy but we, we have such a green environment here, yet we're only three hours north. Yeah. And if we do not if we do not attract population uh, to our our community or immigration, then naturally our population will decline over a long period of time. Yeah. And if if that happens, you just start to lose um, influence on the province or the federal government. Because to be honest, the, if you look at any provincial or federal government, they get elected by their urban centers, not so much by their rural centers, because there's yeah. not as many seats. So obviously, the whole focus and, and, uh, and the way they spend money or the, the mindset is set by urban centers. So if we want to be relevant into the future, uh, we need to have growth. Where we're very fortunate, though, is this COVID pandemic has created a huge opportunity for us to tell our story. And okay. that's the story that I'm trying to tell on LinkedIn.
0: Well, and that's interesting because you know you're you're bringing a couple of of, of questions to mind for me and. And I do appreciate, you know, I do appreciate a lot of the messaging that you're putting out there and, and the benefits are, are are so obvious, especially with the transition globally. Um, you know, one thing that's very relevant in the, in the GTA as an example, and, and really from an environmental perspective, is this notion of intensification, of urban concentration from the perspective of, you know, efficiency, servicing, land use and not to suggest that you have you know uh, unlimited land supply in in north bay but you know what's your view on on that sense and and you know granted there's opportunities to have large lots and large properties um but is the city also there is a downtown i mean the last time i was in north bay it's a beautiful community there's a lot to do there so what's your downtown perspective in local revitalization or local uh, enhancement in in that in that core
1: so um Very good question. So, obviously, infill is uh, the preferred route. So, you don't want urban sprawl because it costs more to maintain roads and services.
0: Uh, But at the same
1: token, uh, you know, we're in part of the country where people value a bit of space. And when I say a bit of space, I'm not talking five acre lots, although if you really went outside into the rural areas of our city, you would find that but in the urban center it's 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 hundred foot lots are kind of normal. we do have smaller lots um, mm. it, the the downtown core struggles just like other uh downtown cores because now with retail changing uh, not so much even on malls anymore but just online shopping uh the downtown cores need to rejuvenate and and rethink their 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 footprint and what the the services that they have to offer in our case everybody can equate to um, uh central park in new york right? They, right they see this big green square in the middle of new york the most valuable property in New York is obviously right beside um, uh, the square, right? Yeah. Central Park. Yeah. We're very fortunate that we have a massive waterfront project uh, that is a huge green space, bigger than um, uh, New York, uh, right downtown core. So, what we're focusing on is how do we rejuvenate the property around what I'll say is our central park, we call it the waterfront, and, there, and, it's, and it, it is tremendous in what we're trying to do. So we've probably spent $30 million in the last 20 years just in our, in our waterfront. We have yeah. another $8 million allocated, uh, there's a lot of interest in that area. Um, the the downtown core has suffered over the years, there's no question. Uh, we do have some challenges down there, but what we're finding is the investors and the developers are starting to realize there's great value because uh, one of our streets, called McEwen Avenue, for those that don't know North Bay, they wouldn't understand what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. is that land up on McEwen Avenue, which was in the boondocks 20 years ago, is now worth about a million dollars an acre. That's wow. because we have a state-of-the-art hospital, a university and college right there. So, of course, that drove all the retail up into that area because the concentration of people, so our downtown core suffered. Having said that, people are starting to recognize that the property values have gone down in the downtown core specifically. Everywhere else, they're they're skyrocketing. Um, There's value down there. So now we're seeing the investors going, hey, if every city around the world that uh, their property values go up around their parks, this is. A huge opportunity for us we actually have people now buying up blocks of land in our downtown core because they can if they go up three stories they're looking across a lake that you you can't see the end of the lake so the, the yes. vista is unbelievable and part of the part of the strategy is how do you get this the you know the small cafes and the breweries and and uh, the the, the uh, you know the eateries uh, down there that you and the little grocery stores so that you can make life in that little area Area of town you know you can walk out of your front door and you know walk over to a uh, twigs or a or to a little grocery store or a nice little restaurant and enjoy life like you do maybe in the downtown core of toronto so we're seeing yeah. some good success there
0: well and it's interesting because you know what you're describing especially with we you know with, with the onset of covid you know i i live down near high park in toronto and you know so you have a lot of that similar kind of you know old community feel with the small shops and and cafes um but we lost much of that in the last six months because you know the the availability dwindled when you know you could literally not go out and you know walking down a downtown street four months ago felt like you were literally in a ghost town so with that and and i'm assuming north bay you had a similar sense because literally nothing was was you know was able to be open Do you find that with that shift now or with that shock, let's say, of the system, you know, those that were poised and prepared and and resilient enough to to survive are going to thrive and maybe some of the, you know, shops or services that were marginal may reemerge as something new or be reinvested in. So do you see this as sort of the cusp of a a whole new growth phase or or, or a resurrection? How, How do you view that?
1: So I, w- I happened to be at the Toronto International Centre for PDAC, which is the lar- largest mining uh, conference in the world, on March 2nd, just you know wow. days before yeah. they shut down the globe, right?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so it came back to North Bay. We, we basically shut down like within five days. Uh, so we have, I think, the third lowest uh, COVID numbers in the province. Uh, so okay. we've done very well because our citizens really embraced it. We set the tone. haven't said that um, the best and this is my business perspective too the best time to succeed is during a crisis a recession uh, a pandemic uh, because when everybody else is cutting back uh, it is the best opportunity to be moving forward so what I keep trying to tell my council and my citizens are we're gonna keep following the protocols but we can't take our foot off the gas because everybody else is—is is our opportunity to shine
0: yes. and
1: put our message out. Because when it all returns back to normal, guess what everybody's going to be doing? They're going to be all doing the same thing. Yeah. So if we can be ahead of the curve, uh, then we'll be very successful, or we'll be in a more advantageous position. So those businesses that are suffering. Uh, Yes, you know, through no fault of their own, um, you know, some of them are are not doing well. But I would say the vast majority of our businesses are doing well. I mean, the travel agencies are not, for sure, and the airports, that sort of thing. But, I mean, try to buy an ATV, a boat, a bicycle now, it's almost impossible because everybody's kind of reinvented their home life we see it as a huge opportunity for us and that's what we're focused on uh so if you walk down a street in north bay right now you'd you'd have a difficult time finding somebody not wearing a face covering you cannot walk into a store without a face covering
0: yeah
1: everybody respects the rules there's a little bit more uh it's not as dense as it would be in toronto where you'd walk down yes you know it, it to be honest, it was a ghost town here for the first month too, because everybody's mm-hmm. afraid. But now they've loosened up and they understand, you know, what the risk levels are. Life, life, by and large, has returned back to normal in North Bay, but it's the new normal. So you're wearing the yep. face coverings, you're staying six feet away, you're 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 following all the protocols. But businesses are starting to st- start to thrive. So people now have really embraced shop local that they yes. want to support their local because we've really been pushing that message shop local so our local businesses are 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 starting to really take off and those ones that are just starting in business if they're aggressive in their approach and they can demonstrate to the public that it is a safe place to go
0: our public's going well, well and you're right i really, I really believe with, with you on that one because, that one because at, at the end, end you know you know crisis, crisis does create opportunity in and of itself right so yeah i think that path that you're on is going to be incredibly successful So the question I have for you now is around a call to action and because of your role in in society I'm going to ask this question in three parts. I want you to think about a call to action for our youth and those coming out of university or out of schooling or out of education programs into a workforce. Call to action for our general citizens and considering your role, a call to action for our politicians and municipal leaders.
1: On youth, a call of action is: uh, I'm 60 years old. I still think I'm am young, um, but you know, really, in in dog years, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> um, so the the one thing growing up. What I tried to do was hang out with the older generation, find out how they became successful, how they think, how they deal with good and bad things happening. But now I I think the youth are way ahead of my generation. They get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our generation hasn't done a great job on the planet and the environment and all the social issues that are out there. There's so many different challenges. So I would say to the youth, is it's an exciting world out there. You have so many more opportunities than we ever had. Uh, embrace it, learn, don't stop learning and be engaged. If you truly want to get ahead, or if that is your goal, uh, you, this is the best opportunity for you. Just start. Just, put one foot in front of the other and learn as you go. Don't don't try to plan everything out in advance because you'd just be planning forever. You need to make that step, as I mentioned in the part where, you know, I ended up at Queen's Park and said, how the hell did I get here? Yes. Uh, uh, the youth really have just this incredible opportunity in front of them, so I would just say get engaged and get going, choose your path in life and just believe in yourself.
0: Excellent.
1: Uh, for the general community, I would say, the most important thing uh, for the general community is you learn that family and friends is probably your richest asset so Mm. don't lose that connection uh, because that is what's going to make your life rich Uh, go about life uh, as you always have you know my dad taught me something that I've never forgotten and I always repeat that respect never goes out of style so always be respectful Mm -hmm. Um, But live life. You only have one life. So, uh, you know, make it the best you can, you know, be kind, uh, get involved in your community, help others. Uh, That's what I would say the call of action to our general community, because you look into the states, they're so polarized. The uh, racism, it's not to say that we don't have racism in Canada because we do we have racism in North Bay but nowhere near the levels that they have in the states uh, so one thing is th- to recognize that we're all in this together and let's all work together because we all have a shared um, uh, journey to, to be the best we can and to have our communities the best they can for not only our, our youth but also our, our grandparents uh, to politicians and elected leaders Uh, I would say serve well, um, respect all the different positions, but you were elected for a reason. You were elected because the the public sees you in a certain light uh, or your policies. I I would stay true to that, be flexible, but it's easy to get distracted. It's easy, you know, during COVID, it's easy for citizens to say, hey, just stop everything uh, because times are uncertain. Well, the times to really believe in what you need to do is in uncertain times. So if you continue to invest in your infrastructure, invest in your community, invest in assets that makes your community a better place and makes it a better place for your citizens, that's not going to change because COVID is going to disappear, well disappear, there's going to be some type of solution, but there's going to be another catastrophe that's going to happen 10 years from now or 15 or 20 years from now. So if you if you always pull back every time there's a challenge in front of you, that's not leadership. That's just reacting without knowing what you're doing. You need to be you need to be on the path where you you want to take the community, recognize that you do have to pivot from time to time. But if, you, if, if you're a leader that stops because there's a challenge every time you turn around or there's a potential challenge, you're just paralyzed and you're not going to move your city, your province, or your, your country ahead. So to those political leaders, my advice is stay true, serve well, and recognize that even though the greatest challenge is in front of you, it's the best opportunity for you to, to, to move your, your uh, constituents forward.
0: Uh, Mayor McDonald, that's that's very very good uh, suggestions and, and recommendations on all three fronts. I really appreciate those calls to action. Um, so with that, I'd like to first off uh, thank you so much for taking the time to have this uh, conversation. I really appreciate the insight and information that you've provided, and you know, bringing your experience and years of knowledge and 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 con- contributions to the community to this conversation. Uh, any last words?
1: Yes. uh, We're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, The best way we can get through this is if everybody follows the advice of our medical professionals. Um, And the sooner we all do that, the sooner we're going to get back to normal. So stay safe, listen to the medical professionals, and we will all get through this.
0: Thank you so much, Mayor McDonald. I really appreciate that. And, And take care of yourself too.